The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Welcome back. Now, why is sleep important? And that's a question that we're putting today to our resident psychotherapist, Helen Vaughan from Maynooth Counselling. Although this is the type of thing maybe Dr. Brian Higgins would do for us in our health spot as well. I have a friend of mine, well, actually the guy who does my personal training with me, who says wherever the work that I do in relation to the gym or diet, he says the most important thing to do is to get proper sleep. What do you think? I think it's huge. And I think for some reason, it's something we don't talk a lot about or a lot of people, if someone gives out about not not having had enough sleep, other people get quite bored by it. But I find it's something that comes up in the counselling room all the time. And it's a huge issue if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're not getting to sleep on time or if you're getting interrupted sleep. And I think most of us need around seven or eight hours of sleep a day, depending on your age and what's going on for you. But, you know, it is actually an essential bodily function. And if you're not getting enough or if it's not of good enough quality, it it affects your body physically. It's recharge and recover. Totally. And it affects your brain where you can't even think in the same way or you can't, not that you can't think straight, but your performance would be impacted. Your brain doesn't function properly in terms of creating neural pathways. You know, it's, it's a huge issue. And I think... It is possible to impact your own sleep in small changes, which I why I which is why I think it's a good issue to kind of talk about. And it's something that obviously physical physically affects you. So, it, you know, it, your physical health impacts it. So that's yeah, why GPs talk about it. There's all sorts of things because we'll get to the mental health thing in a moment. But there are lots of physical issues, aren't there? From high blood pressure, diabetes. Yeah, if you don't get enough sleep, high blood pressure, diabetes can be impacted, cardiovascular disease, obesity, depression. And I think it's just something that I hear coming up a lot. And it's no harm at any time to look at your sleep and say, what am I doing that's helping me get enough and good quality sleep? What am I doing that's not helping me? And phones are obviously a huge thing. I shouldn't really go to it first, but here we are. I think a lot of people go to bed and read their phone for half an hour and then try to turn around and go to sleep and find they can't. And you're like, well, I wonder why that is. A, what were you looking at online? And also the phone is designed to stimulate your brain and keep it awake. It's also the light coming off it. Exactly. So it's one of the easy things to either put away or don't bring into the bedroom at all. Put it so you can't reach it and you can't... Look at it. So, um, but also look at what else are you doing in the evening, in the hour or two before you go to bed. Try not to watch telly or watch a screen in bed if you can avoid it. Um, You know, it's trying to do small things that can impact it. Notice if you're stressed, particularly if you're grieving, I would say that's something that you're going to go through and probably will impact your sleep. Other things like trauma, it can influence your sleep, caffeine, nicotine, how you eat, whether you exercise, what time you exercise. Like I know I can't exercise late or I'm awake for hours, but I have a friend who can run in the evening and can go to sleep an hour later. Like it depends on the person. Um, It's funny, you actually have been talking there about the duration of sleep, but isn't it equally as important the quality of the sleep? The quality. And what happens while you're asleep is that you kind of go through these sleep stages several times a night. And when I first got one of those wearable things on my wrist and I was looking at my sleep going, I thought you went into a deep sleep and stayed there and came out the next day. So you go through, kind of you go from light to deep to OREM and back again a few times through the night and you spend more time in your OREM which is what you need as the night goes on and if you wake up at 3, 4 or 5 that interrupts that process and you go back to the start so you won't get to the deeper sleep that you would have got to if you hadn't been interrupted. Anyone who was young kids and I went through it in the summer where my two year old kept waking up at 4 or 5 in the morning 
will recognise the frustration of being woken in the middle of the night and then struggling to get back to sleep and struggling to get quality sleep. Well, you know, they, as a friend of mine used to joke the other day, sleep deprivation is banned as a war crime in the Geneva Convention and yet parents have to go through it all the time with their children waking them up. And it's really difficult because, you know, you're you're conflicted between your desire for sleep and your obviously desire to parent. Um, and then trying to share that and say, it's your turn, I'm going back to sleep. But the problem, yeah, if you don't get in uninterrupted sleep, it impacts the quality. So even if you're only up for 15, 20 minutes, you still feel really tired the next day or sometimes jet lagged the next day. Yeah, that's the feeling, the jet lag feeling, as you mentioned, it for the next day. And that leads to serious underperformance, perhaps, in your daily tasks, but can then in itself lead to other physical health ailments. Which is huge. And I think, I guess it's about doing a quick audit of your own sleep hygiene and seeing what are you doing in the evening as you go to bed? And is it helping you, making you calm and kind of wind down and get sleepy? Or is it stimulating you and waking you up and making you less likely to be sleepy when you do go to bed? You know, it's looking at your bedroom, who's in your room, do you have a disruptive bed partner? That's another huge issue. And there's a lot of emotions that go with that, where some people, I've had clients who, I sort of feel they should sleep apart a couple of nights a week if they can. If one snores and the do other really doesn't. Do you recommend that to you? I do if they're not sleeping and they're resenting each other for it. And one is angry and the other one then doesn't know why they're angry or is insisting they're not snoring. That sometimes sleeping apart for a couple of nights and then coming back together can help the relationship if one party is then getting enough sleep to not be resenting the other one. You know, it's finding what works for you and what helps you get a better night's sleep and your partner get a better night's sleep. But even if you do all those things to improve your sleep hygiene, as you mentioned about, you know, maybe reading a book rather than watching television before you fall asleep or whatever. But if you have anxiety in your life during the day or if you're stressed, can that then end up really impacting? That's what you really need to deal with rather than all of these sort of little odds and ends. Yeah, if you're anxious and stress is keeping you awake, then there's probably issues going on in your daily daytime life that you need to look at and address and talk to either a friend or a therapist about and figure out what those are. Because you'll often find when you're in periods of high stress, your sleep will be disrupted. And maybe sometimes it's accepting that that's part of that. Because you can wake up bolt upright at four in the morning worrying about something perhaps. Well, and I've tips around that as well because I've gone through that. And when you wake up, it's trying not to allow those thoughts into your head, trying to keep your brain as empty as possible at four in the morning. To sort of float back to sleep. Float back and start breathing deeply, start counting, do anything you can to keep any thoughts taking hold. And then once you think one thought, you're like, oh, but then what about this? And then what am I going to do about that? And I always used to find at four in the morning, I would catastrophize about everything. This is going to be awful. And then you'd wake up the next morning and after an hour or two, you're like, you know what, that probably won't happen. Actually, it mightn't be as bad as I thought. I feel like your your headspace is worse at 4am alone in the dark by yourself. So if you can avoid letting any of those thoughts take hold, read a book if you can to distract yourself and try not to stress about not getting enough sleep. Because often... It's stressing looking at the clock. Oh, God, if I get back to sleep now, I'll only get two hours and that's not enough and I'm going to be so tired. Tomorrow I've got a big meeting. You know, sometimes it's stressing about the sleep that makes it harder to go back to sleep. Yeah. Do you drink a hot chocolate going to bed or anything like that? I don't because I find then I'll need to go up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But it's finding what works for you if it's milk or hot chocolate or a bath or just something soothing and calming and winding yourself down. Breathing exercises are great. Even when you get into bed, read a book for a while, do some breathing exercises or a guided meditation from Dermot or one of the lads. Something that will just bring your brain down to more calm. What about napping during the day? 
I never found it worked for me, but other people do it. I think if you only do it for 20 or 30 minutes, it's meant to be okay. I remember Ian Dempsey used to always nap. When I did the breakfast show, I couldn't nap or I wouldn't sleep that night. And I found I struggled to get to sleep then twice a day. It's a question of taking the nap for maybe 20, 25 minutes before you go into a deeper sleep, which then, if you have to try and come out of it, if you've been asleep for an hour, can be really groggy trying to come out of And you of feel sleep. terrible waking yeah. up twice in the day, but also not doing it too late in the day. So it doesn't impact that. Can you oversleep. Sleep. Do I? You Can you? I mean, is it possible to sleep for too much? Well, there's this whole theory that you can catch up at the weekend, but I've heard that that doesn't work, that it doesn't help, that you should try and have a regular wrecked. have a regular routine and sleep and wake up at the same time each day, weekday and weekend, unless you're on the early shift, in which case, don't wake up before in the morning the weekend. OK, we have to leave it there. Psychotherapist with Benuth Counselling, Helen Vaughan, thank you so much for being with us again here on The Last Word of Today FM. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.